Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, June the 28th, 2022. It is currently 4.10 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in. And let's just jump right in. Let's let's get right to the topic today. Are you ready? I'm going to begin with a very important question. How are you doing? Now, I know your first answer most of the time will be, oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing fine. Okay, okay. So I need to ask a different question. How are you doing spiritually? How are you doing spiritually? Now, I don't, do do people in your church ask you that question? Uh, do you get that question a lot at church? People say, walk up to you and go, how are you doing spiritually? I, I think we say, hey, how are you doing? Did you have a good week? And we always, and everyone just says, yes, yes, I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. Great, great. Better than I deserve. Whatever the answers you, you typically get. But do you have someone really just look at you and say, how are you doing spiritually? Do you have anyone in your life that will just look at you right in the eye and say, tell me, honestly, how are you doing spiritually? And they're a kind of person that you feel complete freedom to say and look them right in the eye and say, not very good, not good at all. In fact, it's been absolutely horrible. In fact, my spiritual life right now is a complete dumpster fire. Is there anyone that will ask you that question? And is there anyone you can be that brutally honest with? And now here's another question. Would you be that brutally honest, even if you could? Would you really let the person know that you're not doing that great spiritually? Would Or would something get in the way? Something would stop you because you would really want them to think you're doing better than you actually are. I wonder if this became a more common practice within the Christian life. Don't ask people, how are you doing? Because we we almost, I think the typical answer is always we're doing great. We're doing wonderful. Even if we're not doing great and wonderful emotionally, physically, I, I think we it's just the normal answer because I think we we typically feel when someone asks you, how are you, how are you doing? They don't really want to know. It's just a, a thing they ask out of common courtesy. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Nobody really wants to hear how you're really doing, but if if every Christian, if every single Christian had ex- at least one person, I was going to say exactly one person, but really, if every Christian had exactly one person, you don't need two, you don't need three, you don't need five, you don't need a village, you don't need a community. If you just had one person in your life who would look you in the eye on a pretty consistent basis and say, how are you doing spiritually? and you felt complete freedom and comfort to tell them exactly how you're doing spiritually, I wonder what spiritual fruit would rise from. I wonder what kind of spiritual growth we would see as a result of that. How are you doing spiritually? It seems such a simple question. How are you doing spiritually? Really, 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 how are you doing? I'm thinking about different times in my Christian life that if someone would have asked me that question and I know that I wasn't doing great spiritually, I wonder what I would have said. 
And I wonder even if I would have said, great, oh, I'm doing wonderful. I wonder when I, when I walked away or got in my car and drove away, I wonder if it would have had a, such a profound impact on me that it made me really stop and take inventory going, you know what? I told them I'm doing great, but I'm really not doing so good. What am I doing? I, I wonder if it would have been instrumental in things changing. I, I wonder if that, if, that, if that would have happened. How about you? Can you think of some times if someone would have looked you in the eye and said, how are you doing spiritually? If you were honest, you probably would have lied. But it still would have had a profound impact on you. What, what do you think would be the end result if every Christian had exactly one person in their life who would look them in the eye on a regular and consistent basis and say, how are you doing spiritually? Maybe it's something I can start doing here on this podcast on a regular, consistent basis. Maybe time and time again, I can turn on this microphone and before we talk about whatever we're going to talk about, because we talk about everything. Maybe I can start asking, how are you doing spiritually? And in a roundabout way, I'm asking me that question and I'm asking you that question. Maybe I can try to be that person for myself and for you. How are you doing spiritually? I really want you to think about that. Now, with that said, today, we begin part two of our discussion of spiritual pride. Part two of our discussion of spiritual pride. Now, if you have, if you have found us on the YouVersion Bible app, on the YouVersion Bible app, if you search for Theology Central, you will find us. And if you will select us as your church, you can sign up right now for a three-day devotional on spiritual pride. I don't agree with everything in the devotional. I don't agree with everything in it, but we, we to be able to get on YouVersion and, to, and to, to be a part of it, we had to choose a devotional just to select. And I just, just randomly saw it and said, you know what, I'll choose this. And because I chose it, then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to start thinking and meditating on spiritual pride. So that is what we are discussing. And so that's how we ended up here. I had to select a, a plan for the YouVersion Bible app. And so that we could have our, our podcast, our ministry on the YouVersion Bible app, which what, 500 million people have downloaded some crazy, absolutely astronomical number. I don't remember what it is. It's some crazy number. Um, and, um, and then, well, that got me started talking about it. So we did part one and we did a little discussion about spiritual pride. It did not generate the discuss the conversation that I would have liked, I wish it would have sparked more because I really think it should have struck a nerve. I, I, I really believe it should have like, there should have been some conviction there. Maybe it's because I failed to present. Maybe the idea was right, but the presentation was wrong, which is a possibility. But I want to continue that discussion about spiritual pride. I want to continue that discussion about spiritual pride. So what I'm going to do is first thing we're going to do is we're going to just look briefly at the devotional that you can find on the YouVersion Bible app. If you'll look for us, Theology Central, choose us. It'll be the featured plan. Sign up. We looked at day one the last time we were together. We're going to look at day two. I'm trying to finish up this devotional 
a plan on the Uversion app because I'm going to switch it to something else. You're going to try to get it done as soon as possible because when we switch it to something else, you'll see why because it's going to be very much connected to the Bible study exercises that we're currently doing on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. So it's going to be very much, uh, we're going to switch it over as soon as possible. But Uversion Bible app, you should download it. Look for Theology Central. All right. Of, I mean, we're, we try to put our content everywhere, and this is just another thing that we're trying to utilize. But the most important thing about all of this is the subject of spiritual pride. So let me ask the original question. How are you doing? No, how are you doing spiritually? And now let's really drive it home. How are you doing with spiritual pride? Having any problems? Any struggles? I'm not. I'm not hearing a reply. See, I, I don't know what that means. That means I'm I'm in an empty room talking to myself. That's what it means. But here we go. I'm going to read a little bit here because I think this is important. All right, this is spiritual pride day two. I'm just going to use this as a starting point because what we're really going to do is we're going to go back in time and we're going to spend a little bit of time with Jonathan Edwards and his discussion on spiritual pride, which I think will be extremely beneficial. But here's what the devotional on the YouVersion Bible app, if you'll search for Theology Central, choose us as your ministry, as your uh, ministry of choice, your church of choice, and then you can follow along with this uh, devotional. But here, here is how this begins. Jerry Bridges, have you ever heard of Jerry Bridges? Wrote, he has written some very, he's wrote, he, he has written some very interesting books that I think could be very beneficial to your spiritual life. Not that I agree with everything, but I think they could be very beneficial. But here we go. Jerry Bridges was an evangelical Christian author, speaker, and staff member of The Navigators. Born in Tyler, Texas, United States, he was the author of more than a dozen books, including The Pursuit of Holiness, which has sold more than one million copies. Jerry Bridges had this to say about spiritual pride. As we grow in the Christian life, we face increasing danger of spiritual pride. Spiritual pride is something that really strikes at the heart of every Christian the more they grow spiritually, the, the more spiritual victories you experience, the more you grow, the more you learn, the more th- better, uh, when things seem to be going best in your Christian life is when you may be at the worst when it comes to spiritual pride. And this is why I ask you, how are you doing and how are you doing spiritually? Because this, that question can be, and it, it, I think it's a question that we have to be asked But the only problem is, I don't know how good that question is at detecting or exposing spiritual pride, because sometimes this is the way spiritual pride works. And it's so, it's so deceptive and so evil. And it's it's why we have to talk about it. You can be looking at your Christian life and there would be so many indicators that you're doing great spiritually. You're going to church on a regular basis. You're reading your Bible. You may be teaching Sunday school. You you attend a small group. You may be evangelizing. You're memorizing scripture. You've got notebooks filled with notes because you're doing Bible study. And you just may look like that from the outside. You are like, wow. That, that person is, is growing spiritually, and that person is in experiencing, you know, in a sense, a, a time of great spiritual victory. 
And so you, when someone asks you how you're doing, you may go, look, I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing great. Look at me. Look, look at how great I'm doing. But that's usually the very moment where spiritual pride, not only has it hit you, it is, it's got its clutches in you and it does not want to let go. Spiritual pride typically strikes when you're doing the best spiritually. When you appear to be more godly than everyone else, you're not involved in any scandalous or secret sin. Everything seems to be going great. That's when spiritual pride can be at its strongest. Let me read that again. As we grow, as we grow, as we grow in the Christian life, we face increasing danger of spiritual pride. We know the correct doctrines. We know the right methods. We know the proper do's and don'ts. But we may not see the poverty of our own spiritual character. Sometimes we have a very great misunderstanding here. Most times as Christians, we judge our spiritual character by the abundance of so-called spiritual action. We have a tendency to see our spiritual character as being strong and rich based off what we do or don't do. I don't drink or I don't watch those kinds of movies and I do this and I do that. So we judge or we see the richness of our spiritual character based off the abundance of action or what we do or, or, or the lack of participating in sinful things. We sometimes see that we are that we think our spiritual character is strong, that we are godly, that we're holy, that we're righteous because of what we do and don't do. We're the ones who go, Lord, look, I don't do this, and I do this, and I don't do this, and I do this. Look at me. I'm not like all those other people. Now, we may not try to say those words, but it's very much there. We see sometimes, if I say, how are you doing spiritually? A lot of times the answer will be, oh, I'm doing great. I've been studying my Bible. I'm doing this Bible study guide. I've been going to church. I've been doing, I've been listening to sermons. Do, and you'll note all these actions. But those actions may actually blind you from the poverty of your own spiritual character. Action does not always demonstrate the richness of your character. Action may actually blind you to the poverty of your spiritual character. The Pharisees may have outwardly appeared to be spiritual, but the inward, the out was clean, the inward was rotten. The The outward looked great, but the inward was full of dead man's bones. The right methods and the proper do's and don'ts, but we may not see the poverty of our own spiritual character. We may not see our critical and unforgiving spirit, our habit of backbiting, or our tendency to judge others. We may become like the Laodiceans, of whom our Lord said, You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. 
You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and I do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you're actually wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Is it possible that spiritually you may think everything's great? You don't need anything you, because you look at all these external actions, these do's, these don'ts, and you look at yourself and you're like, look at, look at how godly I am, but you don't even realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Is it possible that today when I asked you how you're doing, you may have said, I'm doing great spiritually, or when I said, how are you doing spiritually, you may have thought, yeah, I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. Is it possible? that you are thinking you're doing good spiritually and that you are seeing, quote unquote, you think your spiritual character is in a good place based off some things you do and don't do, but you don't even realize that the reality of your spiritual condition today is that you're wretched, you're pitiful, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. Spiritual pride blinds you to your actual spiritual condition. Let me state it this way. Spiritual pride convinces you you are spiritual, you are rich, you are godly, you need nothing when in reality you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Spiritual pride blinds you. Spiritual pride convinces you of that which is not true spiritually. Spiritual uh, spiritual pride keeps you from seeing the actual truth of your spiritual condition. How are you doing today? How are you doing spiritually? You, I, we, do not realize that you, I, we, are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. If this quote from Revelations, or the book of Revelation, seems to be getting personal, then good, for it is a litmus test of where we stand with spiritual pride or not. If we ever forget to remember where we came from, what God has done to, what God had to do and overlook to love us into his kingdom, and the truth of the wretched condition of our life that lies hidden from the surface, then we will embrace spiritual pride into our life. Listen to this. I want you to hear this again. If you ever forget If you ever forget to remember where you've come from, what God, in a sense, had to overlook to love you into his kingdom, if you ever forget the truth of your own wretched condition, if you ever forget the the condition that lies, the, the, the sinful condition that lies below the surface, that lies hidden from everyone's eyes, if you ever forget any of that, you will embrace spiritual pride into your life. We must keep a realistic view of our relationship with Christ through his grace. We, we, when we embrace our, our set-apart condition from God and his grace uh, that bought us, uh, that brought us into his heart, it keeps spiritual pride in check. But we, we need to also understand that we have been redeemed for a noble purpose. We are members of the royal priesthood and should live above spiritual pride just as Jesus did. They ask the question here, have you ever heard of worm 
theology, worm, W-O-R-M. And they say this, worm theology is an old idea in Christian culture that in light of God's holiness and power, an appropriate uh, emotion is a low view of self. The name might have originated in line with the Isaac Watts hymn, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, which says, would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Now, there's more they can say here. And I'm not going to read everything. Again, you can go to version, look for us, and you can subscribe to the devotional. I don't agree with everything they have to say here, but you can, you can read the rest. But here is, I think, the point. We must, we must strive with God's grace and with every tool available to us to live in a constant state of awareness of the actual spiritual condition that we have. We must uh, live with a constant awareness of the depravity that is right there inside of you and inside of me. And the minute we forget it, and the minute we, because here's what we have a tendency to do. We, we, we ignore the reality of our depravity and focus on the spiritual externals that we do or don't do. I don't watch this. I don't go here. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't do this. I don't do that. Before we know it, even though we may admit it, if we're if we're pushed, you know, if our push, our back is uh, pushed up against a wall, we may say, no, 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 I'm depraved. Yeah, I, I know I'm a sinner, but I'm saying it has to have a real impact. It must be that I know that I am pitiful, that I am poor, that I am wretched, that I am naked, that I'm a sinner. You must live with the reality of that, a constant awareness of it, because the minute it's forgotten, the minute it is pushed down and you become preoccupied with the supposed goodness or the supposed things you don't, you focus on what you don't do and do uh, and the things you do and the things you don't do, next thing you know, spiritual pride has a hold of you. And then you can't see your true spiritual condition, which put, places you in a very vulnerable place spiritually. It makes you very vulnerable to, to a fall. It makes you very vulnerable because you can't truly see what's going on. You can't acknowledge it. You won't, even though other people may start seeing the cracks, you can't see it because you, you've been so blinded by your spiritual pride. Do you truly see your condition. Do you truly see the reality Revelation chapter 3 verse 17. I'm going to read it one more time. In fact, I'm going to just start in verse in Revelation chapter 3 verse 14. I wanted to get to Jonathan Edwards. I wanted to get to Jonathan Edwards. But now what I'm realizing what I'm realizing here, just in real time, is I can I can try to get to Jonathan Edwards, but I that would be just to try to finish something. I'm not worried about finishing this. I'm worried about having some kind of an impact on me and on you when it comes to spiritual pride. But I'm going to read Revelation chapter three, starting in verse fourteen. Write to the write to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Thus saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. 
For you say, I am rich, and I've become wealthy and need nothing, and you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. They're lukewarm. They're lukewarm, but even lukewarmness is sufficient. This is what I want you to see. Lukewarmness, spiritual lukewarmness is sufficient to convince you that you are better than you actually, the the slightest spiritual victory, the slightest spiritual growth. You don't have to be even on fire for God. You can just be mildly lukewarm and you will be convinced that you're rich and that you need nothing. In other words, spiritual lukewarmness is enough, enough to blind you from the reality that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. That, that, is, that is hard to wrap my mind around. That, that even just a little bit of spiritual lukewarmness, and we're like, we're good to go. We're, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. I don't need anything. And you're like, no, no, you don't understand. You're poor. You're wretched. You're, you're naked before a holy God, but you can't, just a little bit of spiritual anything, and we're, we're like, that's it. I've got it all figured out. I'm, I'm good. I'm great. And, and guess what happens? As soon as you start feeling that, then guess what? For some weird reason, then all of a sudden our preoccupation becomes with, look at them, and look at them, and look at them, and look at them, and I don't like them, and they're wrong, and I don't even have the gospel, and they're wrong, and they're lost, and they're lost, and they're probably not saved, and they're not saved, and they're not saved, and they're not saved, and they're not saved. I get lots of comments and emails from people telling me that that group is not saved and that person's not. And I'm like, who are you to tell me who's saved and not saved? What kind of spiritual pride has so convinced you that you now can stand pointing your fingers at everyone telling them what has happened? Well, a little bit of spirit, all that. It's just crazy. Just a little bit of lukewarmness, just a little bit of spiritual lukewarmness is sufficient to completely blind us. We will grab onto the smallest amount of spiritual growth and just all of a, all of a sudden we think we're, we're better than everyone else. We've got to live in a constant awareness of our actual spiritual condition. And I think it's impossible to see it. So when I asked you, how are you doing spiritually? I guarantee you that what we have a tendency to go to is, well, I did this and I don't do this and I did this and I didn't do that. Instead of going, you know what? I've got some attitude problems inside. I got some lust problems or I've got some like, like, I know, and again, we need that one person that we can literally let them know what's going on on the inside. We so focus on the external that we can't see the internal. We we think that if the external, basically we're Pharisees. We clean up the outside of the cup. We clean the the tombstone. And then we're like, look at us. It's a a built-in disease in all of us. It's the element of our depravity. I want you to consider today, I want you to consider Revelation 3, 14 through 17. And I just want you to see the spiritual pride issue here, the spiritual pride. And how any any a little bit of growth can blind us and we cannot see the reality of what we are. 
And the only solution, I cannot stress this, the solution is to live in a constant awareness. And I know some of this is repetitive of what we talked about in part one, but that's okay. We, I'll repeat as much as I need to repeat. And then we're looking at it in maybe slightly different ways, but I, I, I want to continue to just build this into us because we have to get to the point where we live in such a constant awareness of our depravity, of the reality of what's going on in us spiritually, that we can be protected from spiritual pride. Because when spiritual pride gets into us, then we're blinded and then we're, we're, we're set up for a fall. We're set up for a fall. And I don't know about you. I've experienced too many falls because of my own spiritual pride or, or, just, or just my own depravity. I, I, I know what's in me. And I know what's in you. And we got to stop allowing a little bit of external spiritual victory to blind us to the poverty of our spiritual character, the, 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 our, the, the condition of our spiritual character is not determined by external action. The, con- the condition of our spiritual character is determined by what's going on inside of us. And no matter how good we think we are, it's always questionable Because what's inside of us is always the existence of a depraved nature and sin. So we have to constantly, in a sense, see us, as the the devotional talked about, worm theology, that I am just a worm before a holy God. And that keeps us spiritually humble. And that causes us a little bit of pause before we condemn and talk about others. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there. I, I want to say more. I want to say more. But I think 30 minutes is, is just a, a good time, just a good time to kind of work back and get us back into this flow. So the Version Bible app, download it. Look for Theology Central. Choose us as your ministry of choice. Subscribe to the Spiritual Pride three-day devotional. Look at the scriptures look at the devotional. I don't agree with everything in the devotional, so please don't email me and tell me that you found something wrong in it. I know there's some things I disagree with in it, but at least let it get you thinking about spiritual pride, all right? And then we will, we'll, we'll probably, I'll probably the next episode, I'll just look at what they have to say about spiritual pride in the devotional, and then the next episode will go to Jonathan Edwards. This, once again, I'm, I've, I've created a situation where it's going to turn into a, a Somewhat of a, well, I try not to make it too lengthy of a series, but it really needs to be discussed and talked about. I, do, I really, really think so. And I'll, and I'll just end with this quote from Jonathan Edwards, because I think it's so important. The, f- uh, the first and worst cause of errors that abound in our day and age is spiritual pride. According to Jonathan Edwards, that the first and worst cause of errors that abound in our day, when he wrote, is spiritual pride. And the first and worst cause of errors that abound in our day is spiritual pride. It 
Email me your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this very important subject. Thanks for listening. God bless.